As we quiet our hearts to hear God's word, let us pray. God of power and grace, fill us with the wisdom of your word and the understanding of your spirit so that we may be your church, a people with dreams and visions at work in all the world. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Our gospel reading today is from Matthew chapter 10, verses 40 to 42. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person, because he is a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. This is the word of the Lord. Our Hebrew scripture reading today is from Genesis 22, verses 1 through 14. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. This is the word of God for the people of God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. As strange and troubling as this passage from Genesis 22 is, it's one of my favorites. When 
I took Hebrew in seminary. The way that our professor taught us to read Hebrew was by handing us Genesis 22 in Hebrew and walking us through it word by word, phrase by phrase, sentence by sentence. And we learned to read Hebrew by reading Genesis 22 in Hebrew. There's something really special and intimate about sitting with a passage of scripture in that, in that way, pouring over it for an entire academic term. And then uh, when I took my ordination exams, I hit the jackpot and we had choices between a Greek passage or a Hebrew passage for our exegesis exam. And the Hebrew passage choice was Genesis 22. <laughs> so I've spent a lot of quality time with this passage and as weird as it is I love it and it's exciting for me to get to share it with you this morning. Now as we've talked about over the past few weeks Abraham had been promised a family. He'd been promised a family that would one day grow into a huge nation but at some point he and his wife Sarah second-guessed God's plan. They were old, they didn't have children, and so he took her servant girl as a second wife and had a son named Ishmael with this servant, Hagar. Later, after Sarah did become pregnant and have their son, Isaac, they kicked Hagar and Ishmael out into the desert to die. God spared Hagar and Ishmael. So we are now past that point where it is just Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and the household servants and staff. And so one day God calls out to Abraham and Abraham answers, here I am. Now, God knew where Abraham was. <laughs> Abraham didn't say this because, because God didn't know where Abraham was and was looking for him. In scripture, we see this here I am statement, not as a statement of location, but as a statement of response and intent. Think about Samuel being told by Eli that when God calls out, say, here I am, Lord. Think about that hymn many of us love, here I am, Lord. It's not a statement of location, it's a statement of intent. Abraham had had chats before with God's messengers and even with God more directly. So this probably didn't seem too weird to him that, that God said something to him, and so he probably even cheerfully says, oh, here I am, God, with the gratitude that goes with being prepared for what God has next. God has had good things in store for Abraham. So Abraham says, here I am. Hey, God, what's up? And always be prepared for anything when you tell God, here I am because God might just say something crazy. God says, go sacrifice your son, build an altar, kill him and burn the body, all for me. And the way God talks about Isaac is interesting here. God says, take your son Isaac, you know, your only son. God didn't forget about Ishmael. This is a reminder that Abraham had disowned Ishmael and left him in the desert. And then God says, the son that you love, 
Again, he'd thrown out the other. And Abraham says nothing in return. In a book of scripture, then, that often glosses details, we get beautiful detail in these next few verses of the passage. Abraham gets up very early the next morning to begin a three-day journey. And I can just picture the sunrise in the background behind him as he runs his hand along the back of his donkey, perhaps wondering why God was asking for his son instead of an animal like this. Did Sarah ask him where the sacrificial animal was as he was preparing? Did Isaac ask him at this point what the animal was or where it was? What did Abraham answer? Did he suspect this might be a punishment for turning out Hagar and Ishmael into the woods, into the wilderness? So Abraham saddles the donkey, he chops the wood to burn the sacrifice on, he gathers a few servant boys and Isaac, and he sets off on the journey. After three days, when they arrive at the appointed place, Abraham asks the servants, stay put here for a little while while Isaac and I go up on that mountain to worship. Did the servants ask about the sacrifice? Did they say something to Abraham? Were they too scared to ask? Did they maybe see what was happening and didn't think there was a problem with it? Maybe they didn't think there was anything wrong with that picture. We don't know about their cultural background. And this part kills me. Abraham has Isaac carry the wood. All Abraham, the grown man, carries is the torch and the knife. On their way up the mountain, Isaac says, Hey, Dad. And Abraham answers using the same words he answered God with previously. Here I am. But you can just feel the different tone in his voice this time. Remember, this is a statement of intent, not location. Can you just imagine the strain in his voice as he tells his son, I'm here for you, son, all the while knowing that his son is carrying on his back the wood that will be used to sacrifice him on. His son is carrying the wood that will become the altar he dies on. Here I am, son. Always be prepared when you say here I am to the people around you because they might be getting ready to point out something uncomfortable and important. Yeah, we don't have a lamb, Isaac says to Abraham. And I wonder how long it took Abraham to answer that statement. He'd probably hoped Isaac wouldn't notice this, or at least wouldn't say anything if he did. And here he went and said exactly the thing Abraham was hoping he wouldn't have to talk about. I cannot even begin to pretend that I have any idea what Abraham meant or intended when he said God will provide a lamb. I don't know if he was still hoping that God would let him off the hook 
for this. I don't know if he was saying it just to shut Isaac up. I don't know if he meant that Isaac was the lamb that God had already chosen for the sacrifice. Any of these options are totally plausible. It's also possible Abraham didn't quite know what that meant in that moment, and he was just trying to reassure the child and get him up that hill. Whatever his meaning, it is enough for Isaac, and they continue on their hike up the mountain to build their altar. And Abraham does it. He ties up Isaac and puts him on that altar they built. Had he shut off his emotions in order to go through with this, or was he weeping as he did it? Was Isaac crying or protesting? That must have been so confusing for the boy. If this scene isn't getting you choked up yet, you and I need to sit down together sometime so I can teach you how to read this in Hebrew, word for painful word. And just at the very last moment, as Abraham raises his hand to strike the final blow, God sends an angel to call out to him. And again, Abraham says, here I am. And this time, it's yet a very different tone in his voice. His reply is probably one of restrained hope that God is about to tell him to stop. Always be listening for God in the worst, scariest, most uncomfortable, confusing situations because if you're not ready to hear God and reply, here I am, you might miss the message that's going to save something precious. We usually pick up in this passage the message that God provides. And that's a very important message, but it cannot be separated from the other driving message of this passage. And that is that Abraham's God is different from the gods the people around him worshiped. Child sacrifice was a thing those days. It was a normal thing in the culture around them. Had the two servants that went with Abraham to the bottom of the mountain been from a surrounding uh, community, they likely came from somewhere where child sacrifice was not unusual. And so to see a man hiking up a mountain to sacrifice a child wouldn't have triggered any alarms for them. I'll never forget in another seminary class when I had to take a four or maybe five-year-old Levi to class with me and we were talking about child sacrifice and he was horrified because that's so far out of our realm of what's normal that it seems obvious that the whole point of this passage is that God will provide for us when we pass some sort of test. And this is certainly, again, an example of God's provision. But it is not an instance of God testing Abraham in a, hey, I'm going to see how much Abraham really trusts me way. This isn't a gotcha kind of moment. God isn't saying, ha I actually provided. I bet I had you going there for a little while. God doesn't do that in Scripture. That's not what testing is in Scripture. God doesn't do that now. 
The Hebrew here that is translated in English as tested also has encompassed within it uh, meanings of instructed, gave experience to, trained. So there's, there's more of a teaching element to this than we tend to give it. The way we use the word test in English doesn't really do this Hebrew word justice at all. God knows how faithful Abraham is. This isn't God gauging or evaluating Abraham's faith. God knows how faithful Abraham is. God knows that Abraham will go up that mountain and build an altar and bind his son and put him on top of that altar. And remember, while this is a weird thing for Abraham's God to ask for, it would not be a weird thing for the other gods around him to be asking. The people around him were doing this regularly. And so in this moment, we see that the God of Abraham is different. The God of Abraham provides. And the God of Abraham does not ask us to sacrifice the same things that the other gods of the world ask us to sacrifice. That doesn't exempt us from the harsh realities of the world. It doesn't mean there won't be times when it feels like we're trudging up a mountain to sacrifice something precious that we went through a whole lot of heartache for. For safety reasons, we closed the church building in March and started worshiping and communicating very differently than we ever have before. It is now almost July and it's only now safe to worship outdoors. The past few months have felt like trudging up the hill to kill Isaac. We have been asked to sacrifice so many things we hold dear for the safety of the community. We can say that we know God will provide and this will end and we'll be back in the sanctuary singing before we know it. But like Abraham, we have so many complex emotions surrounding that statement. And that's normal. It's okay. It's okay to be frustrated about things right now. It's okay if you're not really sure how God is going to provide through this season. I can't imagine that Abraham just stoically trudged up that mountain with unwavering confidence and knowledge that there was a ram waiting at the top of that mountain. His faith was not a supernatural or extra spiritual knowing what God had in store. His faith was in taking one painful step after another, not knowing quite what laid at top of that mountain. Abraham's faith was shown in that he kept walking in exactly the direction that made the least sense. I would like to take a moment to publicly lift up every one of the elders of these congregations for the faith that they have shown in these past few months. And I encourage all of you who are not serving on one of the sessions right now to reach out this week to one or more of the elders and tell them thank you for their uncomfortable, vulnerable leadership in these past few months. They are incredible and they love you all very, very much. 
They have bravely and uncomfortably kept marching up the mountain in the midst of all sorts of emotions. They have made good, loving, and faithful decisions to keep this community safe, and I am honored to be a part of that team working with them. God is testing all of us, but not in a, hey, let's see how much faith they have way. This is like an open book learning test, not a pop quiz. Just like Abraham learned something important about what God asks of us by answering God's call, not just when it was easy, but also when he was feeling run down and confused and frustrated and vulnerable. We also are learning important things by answering God's call, not just when it's easy, but when we are feeling run down and frustrated and confused and vulnerable. Sometimes God's call will come to us at a time when it is easy to say, here I am, God. Sometimes we will hear echoes of God in the uncomfortable words from another, making it hard to respond to them. Here I am. Sometimes, if we are not listening carefully through the pain, we will miss the chance to, with relief, tell God, here I am at the very last moment when all seemed lost. I encourage you friends to continue being present and listening to God, prepared to say, here I am, regardless of how much of what God is asking makes sense, regardless of, of if it means we may have to sacrifice some things that are precious to us. Dear ones, here I am. Join me in saying that right now. I know you're watching this on your TV or your computer, <laughs> but that's okay. Right there in your place where you're at right now. Let's spend a moment in silence and then together say, God, here I am. Let us pray. Here I am, God. Here I am, God. Here I am, God. Amen.